0: what's good friends and foes it's another episode of bird protocol i'm one of your hosts palm reader
1: i'm otis morris and welcome to october we're getting spooky
0: yeah we're we're kicking off spooky season this year we're gonna do another four selections of horror or horror adjacent film television video games whatever and yeah. uh we decided to start uh with a bit of levity uh this year um and returning to a uh very storied topic uh, theme that has has uh come time and time again uh in the uh genre of horror especially uh lately but uh, this one's a comedy horror with uh with zombies uh directed by Ed- Edgar Wright uh kind of in a breath of fresh air into the zombie uh uh genre, genre? yeah yeah and uh and it's really funny it's uh well paced uh, the editing uh the sound the use of uh kind of narrative tricks uh and and visual tricks visual comedy um and it just it just a really really well done film obviously we are talking about Shaun of the Dead uh yeah. rewatched it uh yesterday and today and uh it it holds up. I mean, some of the comedy is a little bit dated, but overall, um, it is a fun time uh, at and, the
1: and it's a good like introduction to Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, because I think that was probably the first thing. well, at least you know, people in North America saw them in, like because like, okay, they did their show spaced before that. But I've never seen that. I've been meaning to, but' just never got around to it. But. This is the first of a trilogy of, I don't know, just because, with, because it's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Yeah, The World's End. The World's End, not At World's End. That's Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Imagine they did a pirate movie. That'd be cool. But yeah, no, this was a good introduction to uh, Edgar Wright's style, which is very much his own. It's very stylized, very uh music video like and at times, you know, it's very choreographed, very, you know, I don't know. I like Edgar Wright's really the only one that does movies like this. And you know, his blending of genres as he always seems to do is interesting. So yeah, a nice comedy zombie movie. Yeah, and, and if you
0: if you don't know Edgar Wright, I mean, he did do as the uh, the Three Flavors Cornetto, Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, that's as, the name. As Otis said, uh, with Hot Fuzz and The World's End, which are both great films, uh, and they're both kind of comedy horrors, but each of them is, uh, or thrillers, but each of them is, is kind of different, like attacking a different mm-hmm. genre. But then from yeah. there on, you know, he made one of my favorite films, uh coming from one of my favorite graphic novels um being Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh and uh and then he went on to do Baby Driver and he was going to do Ant-Man uh and uh he did um uh worked on the Adventures of Tintin and uh recently he uh he released Last this, Night in Soho. Yeah, Last Night in Soho, which is a straight psychological horror film but he's known for his like fast-paced kinetic um, filmmaking style utilizing um, kind of uh, a signature editing style that uses a lot of transitions, whip pans, uh, screen wipes. There's a lot of dolly zooms, steady cam tracking shots, but it's done in conjunction with music. Music is really important. The kind of rhythm of the music influences the editing um also like kind of the visual aspects of the editing cutting and shooting and building a scene to generate comedy is also very very visible especially in his early mm-hmm. films like this one there are multiple scenes in this movie where the jokes literally rely on the way that the scene is shot and yeah. cut um, and it that that the the timing of that it, like there's a comedic timing in the editing yeah um mm-hmm. which really like it just kind of i don't think anybody was really doing it like him and that's why Shaun of the Dead i mean it was uh it kind of blew up like it yeah. was it was uh uh everywhere for a while um and it's a really good example of kind of transnational comedy where british humor and american humor kind of melded together and and it allowed it to kind of exist beyond borders sometimes yeah. with british comedy like people some people just don't like british comedy it's just like japanese comedy or uh you know any other kind of comedy from another country sometimes th- there's different kind of stylings different timing different ways of telling jokes and sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't Um, But this one is really kind of a combination of Western, like North American comedy and British comedy. Um, Well,
1: yeah. Well, zombies is like an American thing. So like it being a zombie movie that's, you know, called Shaun of the Dead. It's very clear reference to like, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, the whole dead series by George A. Romero. And so like, that's all american stuff so it kind of crosses border everybody knows zombies so like you can do a zombie story and it like it will translate but like you know but it sneaks in you know the sort of witty back and forth british banter and like you know physical comedy british people love their fucking yeah, physical comedy it's, it's almost but
0: slapstick they, at times too which which is kind of
1: transnational
0: yeah. that's without borders
1: yeah, um, and, like, the like you know, the slapstick comedy comes in, like, things that, like, anybody would enjoy, enjoy, like, you know, the song, like, the Queen scene where they're beating zombies to the beat of fucking Don't Stop Me yeah, Now, and great, it's just like, great. how can you not love that? Like, of course, everybody loves Queen. Like, I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, man, I don't fuck with Queen. It's like, well, fuck you, you know? Yeah. So... You know, that kind of translate everywhere. And then, like, you know, there's, like, things that are just funny and just good filmmaking. Like, I, the one thing I notice is the use of, like, repetition, the amount of times this movie redoes something that it's already done earlier. But it's just, like, you know, the whole part where it shows where Simon Pegg's walking through the street, you know, he goes to the store, he gets his drink, yada, yada, yada. But then, you know, he does the exact same thing but it's during the zombie apocalypse yeah and he's you know so he doesn't notice he doesn't even notice well he's just so spaced out like the entire time and it's just hilarious because you're just like how does this idiot not realize yeah and even even like
0: even leading up to the kind of zombie outbreak happening throughout the first part of the movie on all of the tvs it's like oh, random man just, like, attacked his kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's obviously ramping up in the background, but it's, it's, he, you kind of, Edgar Wright focuses on yeah. Simon Pegg's lack of focus. Like, he just yeah. doesn't care. And so you kind of miss it, too, until you rewatch it and you're, like, oh. yeah. Like, all of this stuff is, like, happening.
1: Well, it's all put into the background, because you're kind of meant to feel like the characters, which are just well-written, well-acted characters, because they're all just, like, so far up their, like, own asses, pretty much. Like, especially like, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's character, Sean and Ed. So they're just kind of, like, in their own world, not even, like, giving a shit really about anyone else around them so that kind of like makes sense which is like something i never picked up on before is it's kind of like oh you're kind of just like living this out how these characters would you know because if you're not really paying attention you could also just easily miss like the fucking apocalypse stuff like even the scene where he's flicking through the channels and even as he's flicking through the channels it's very much describing a zombie apocalypse and it's just like this idiot's just not paying attention to anything
0: yeah and i mean that and that's highlighted by the fact that he, he and his girlfriend break up and she says it's because he doesn't do anything different he doesn't put any effort in and so like it really showcases that they just do the same thing he just does the same thing every day and he's in his own head uh and he just doesn't uh he doesn't realize it until it's too late and then he has to step up and and they uh hilariously do the same thing that they do every day but to, uh, uh, trying to survive the zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. and the other thing is that this is such an impeccably written film like just the part after liz breaks up with sean and they go to the bar and then they explain everything that's going to happen in the movie um mm-hmm. in di- in talking to each other like they lay out the whole movie and what's going to happen um yeah and 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 then but they it's it's written in such a way that it's you don't realize it until you go back and watch it again that oh like they say exactly everything that happens from this point on um uh in kind of like code Uh, it's not code but it's it's you know it's like uh i don't know what the proper term for it would be but they 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 parse everything out, which is something that Edgar Wright has done in multiple of his films where they, Mm -hmm. a character explains pretty much everything that's going to happen in a tongue in cheek way. Um, but this was the first time that it really happened. And so it was like, you know, you're just like, holy shit, this guy's on it. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. Um, And uh, I guess we should say it is a 2004 zombie comedy film directed by Edgar Wright. And it was written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, the uh, titular Sean character. Um, Then we have uh, Nick Frost, who Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, you can see in all three of the uh, Three Flavors Canetto trilogy films. They've worked a lot together. Um, it also st- co-stars Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Dylan Moran, Bill Nighy, in an incredible almost scene stealing character, uh, yeah. and Penelope Wilton. Um, it also has cameos from, uh, from my guy, Martin Freeman and a couple other, uh, big names in British comedy in a pretty funny scene where They, uh, the two groups of survivors run into each other and they're kind of Mm -hmm. mirrors of each other. Uh, just
1: that just made me laugh. Well, (laughs) Simon Pegg and that girl that plays the character where they're just like mirrors of each other, they wrote all the episodes of Space together. So they were the well, there you go. The British,
0: the the British love a uh, A um, A callback, callback, or uh, what do you, what do they call them now? Easter egg. I don't know.
1: I guess.
0: Reference. Uh, reference. Anyway, the uh, film was f- followed by uh, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, Hot Fuzz being uh, Edgar Wright's take on uh, kind of cult thriller and uh, mm-hmm. and police action. And then the and world's... I A- think
1: it's the best one. Yeah. I, well, Hot, I think Hot Fuzz is just my favorite. Edgar Hot Fuzz Wright Wright is going to get
0: know. an episode of its own at some point, for sure. Yeah. Um, because it's it it's kind of Amazing. I mean, this movie is amazing, hilarious. but like Hot Fuzz is like, I think it is. You're right. I think it's the best one. in The World's End, which is uh, Wright's uh, take on uh, kind of an invasion of the body snatchers uh, and yeah. uh, and uh, bachelor party type film. It's 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 very funny as well. Um, they actually developed this idea. Uh, Peg and Wright developed it from an episode that they did together on Spaced. Um, uh, particularly the episodes where Peg's slacker character hallucinates a zombie invasion. Um, The film has heavy references to the dead films directed by George A. uh, Romaro. And um, it was released in uh, on April 9th, 2004 in the United Kingdom and on September 24th in the United States, obviously commercial and critical success it grossed 30 million worldwide on a budget of 6.1 million which is pretty crazy uh was nominated for the British Academy Film Awards it was ranked uh third on Channel 4 list of the 50 greatest comedy films of all time and quickly acquired a cult following uh and um uh you know Generally, this has been a film that people talk about as post 9-11 anxiety, transnational comedy, zombism as a metaphor or modeling for disease control, also commentary on, uh, on kind of the state of, uh, of work, of like the workforce or the kind of uh, the way that people were living at the time. Uh, and uh, in many ways, you could still kind of draw that m- metaphor for today because a lot of people literally mm-hmm. just live to work um so you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff you can read into there and in film study stuff but we're not going to talk about that we're just going to talk about uh the yeah.
1: uh i don't how- even know what half that means like post 9-11 anxiety how what it's a zombie movie the fuck?
0: well the post 9-11 anxiety and zombism is something that has been kind of drawn one of one because there was uh also, you know, we can go back to susan sontag's imagination or what is it, imagination of disaster is that that her paper uh where yeah, the, where we talk about uh when things get uh hairy, we like to imagine ourselves being punished by a kind of evil other uh you know some some alien or disease or monster that is the embodiment of the of the uh darkness in our humanity. And watching it play out on screen gives us a sense of like sadomasochistic joy because we're watching people suffer. And yeah, there's that whole thing in that, you know, whatever.
1: Now say that again in Bane's voice. (laughs) That's
0: crazy. That's a crazy ask. I don't think I could (laughs) without laughing. Do you feel in charge? I think this gives you power for me um i don't have my hands if i put my hands over my face um yeah that sounds more like it uh the um uh but yeah Shaun of the dead huge film wound up going all around the world becoming a real kind of cult classic uh part of the dialogue grace you know you could stop screaming over there that would be great because i'm podcasting so yeah. apologize to for my cat who seems to be just having the time so of her wild. life, screaming over there. Um, she's
1: got some opinions on this
0: movie Yeah, as well. she's got some opinions. Anyway, we wanted to choose this one as kind of a throwback to last year's spooky season, spooky series. We did talk about um Left for Dead Left for Dead 2 and Back for Blood uh, which was a kind of zombie game this time we thought we'd talk mm-hmm. about it. and we talked about Dracula Dead mm-hmm. and Loving It which is a kind of horror mm-hmm. comedy and this time we thought we'd we'd talk about the this film cuz it's kind of touching on both of those but it does something different and also like really we're going to gush about the editing and the and the kind of pacing of this film and the writing mm-hmm. um, it's just superb I don't know where you want to start. should we just kind of quickly run through the plot and then talk about it, or uh, you know when did well wait, let's wind back. When did you first see this film? Did you see it in theaters? did you see it at at home?
1: uh I must have seen it probably like rented it or something after is like' when i came when this came out, I would have only been like eleven so Yeah, I probably rented it or something, saw it on TV. I don't know. I just saw it somewhere. But I was definitely like a kid, teenager-ish, first time I've seen it. I don't
0: know. Well, I did see it, uh, I think I saw it in theaters because I was 15 at the time. Uh, It was either in theaters or it was just after I was, uh, it came out on DVD and I rented it. But I remember watching it for the first time with my friends in high school and just howling, laughing at a bunch of the stuff in this film i mm-hmm. I didn't at that time my brain wasn't wired to think about the editing and the pacing and the use of like visual comedy and visual cues and comedy and stuff like that but just the mm-hmm. writing alone like it's a funny movie
1: yeah but like even you know as a young you you still Get you still understand physical comedy. Maybe, you, yeah, you don't understand the intricacies of the editing and how that like adds to it, and like you know, how the stuff like you know, oh, yeah, 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 of them like say, like explaining a scene over and over again. You know, maybe you don't, ex- you know, necessarily acknowledge why it's funny, but you know, it's funny as a kid, you know, and you know, that's the thing great about this movie is that it's, you know, it's not like super smart stuff it's very it's just very silly it's all very silly so i think that's what makes it such a great movie is that you know everybody loves a good silly laugh but it's not so silly that it's stupid and it's actually you know it's actually a very smart movie but like you know it doesn't like pretend to be you know super smart so like you know it plays that line perfectly where it's like it kind of is high art the way you know Edgar Wright's you know directing and artistic style you know kind of plays a factor into it but you know it still is just a silly zombie movie which I think it's so great and that I think is why it's so popular
0: yeah and I mean it's it's just good all across the board like that's Mm -hmm. another thing about it too is that it's like the the it's what an hour and uh a half long an hour and 40 yeah. minutes long like it's it moves at a fast clip mm-hmm. it's it's the the kind of pacing and the way they set up the acts is perfect um the kind of idea i mean simon pegg said uh uh you know one evening i was around at so- uh, um Edgar Wright said, one evening I was around uh, Simon Pegg and his pal Nick Frost flat for drinks when I said we should make our own zombie movie, a horror comedy. It would be from the point of view of two bit players, two idiots who were the last to know what was going on after waking up hungover on a Sunday morning. And that premise alone is hilarious. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's built from a very simple but, but like good premise it plays enough on the actual genre of zombie films and calls back dawn of the dead day of the dead you know all of those films and it calls it back really well um and it just and it kind of infuses the comedy through the writing and the visuals it's just good across the board good Mm -hmm. like it's one of those films that I, i finished watching it and i was like huh yeah that's that's as goddamn good as i remember it you know like it just mm-hmm. it just works it's just it's just good good stuff good stuff plus i love Br- british comedy um some of it Um but i really like space spaced sorry and i like uh i like um uh uh the, the whole think of it it's awesome yeah think Th- of it's awesome But I like the whole, I like the kind of whole Cornetto, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. I think that like Mm -hmm. all of them are just great films. Like you can watch any of them and get a kick out of them. Like it's just good shit.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's why, you know, they're now, you know, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, you know, they're now highly respected actors, well, peg is actor writers, directors, and stuff. like because I don't know if they somehow figured out how to transcend, you know, British and u k, which is usually, you know, yeah, as we said, you know, British comedies usually don't do so well over here. but for some reason, th- those three fucking popped off, especially. And then, like, you know, Edgar Wright easily transitioned to making you know, Hollywood movies, like, uh, you know, Scott Pilgrim, which is actually, you know, a Canadian thing. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he somehow figured out how to do that as well, having, like, Canadian references in that movie while it also being, you know, one made for American audiences, and I don't know how that movie did in the U.K., but I'm sure the U.K. probably likes Edgar Wright movies, you know, so... um.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Let's break <laughs> down the plot of it real quick because it's not there's not a whole lot to know here. Uh, sure. in Crouch End, London, the electronics salesman Sean has no direction in his life, he's disrespected by his colleagues, does not get along with his stepfather, Philip, uh, played by Bill Nighy, and is dumped by his girlfriend, Liz, for not really having any ambition in, in their life and not really doing anything different ever um after he fails to make plans for a decent date and then asks about returning to the pub that they return to every night which in the opening scene she says uh she doesn't want to do that anymore she, their life is boring she wants to change stuff she uh breaks up with him he goes to her house to, to win her over and she breaks up with him she says something needs to change heartbroken sean goes and hangs out with his roommate slash best friend ed uh drug dealer unemployed uh video game playing gentleman. Um played by uh, a real chiller He's a real chiller a real slacker best friend character played mm-hmm. by um nick frost and they decide to go to their favorite pub the winchester the same place that they the, the 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 joke of this film is that the winchester is the root of uh all of their problems but also eventually becomes the place where they reunite and uh and it becomes the place where they attempt to hole up yeah. from the zombies um during the time oh sorry go ahead
1: oh i was just gonna say you know it's like they're constant you know that's their one thing they can always rely on is the winchester
0: and uh and uh during their time at the pub they're you know uh ed tries to uh you know boost sean up and make him feel better and suggests all these things that they're gonna do um i'll actually read the uh quote uh, where he explains the um uh i gotta find it in here the uh where he explains, he explains the plot the plot much. of the film yeah but i, I want to make sure that uh i get the right x ex- the right one i had it but my screen rolled back up you ever have that happen where your screen for some reason rolls up oh my goodness where is it Right. Anyway, at that point, I'll find it. We'll read it later. At that point, he explains everything that he's uh, that they're gonna do uh, throughout the movie, and in, in the kind of guise of giving uh, advice to Sean. And uh, there, a shadowy figure bangs on the door and groans, uh, and uh, and they just kind of laugh it off. Uh, there's also it also happens right after. It's not the line. It's not the end of the world. And then uh, the the zombie outside at that point they don't realize it's a zombie but the everybody else who's watching knows um yeah and it's uh, a zombie it's a zombie yeah it's a zombie and uh and then they go outside and they're drunk and they're singing songs to each other and they come across a zombie walking in the dark moaning uh and uh they think he's just hammered uh and then they walk cuz they're hammered and they walk away and go uh, go back to the house and listen to music really loud, where uh, their other roommate comes in and yells at them for listening to him really loud with a uh, Band-Aid on his hand. This is important for later. Uh, Pete, the roommate, complains uh, to them and says, and berates them and says, Sean, you got to get your life together. You got to turn off this music, blah, blah, blah. I've had such a bad day. I got bit by this, this guy on the street trying to mug me. And I'm just feel like shit, turn down the music. Uh, and then in the morning, they wake up and a zombie... Ed ap- scene
1: has one of my favorite jokes where he's like, turn off the hip-hop records. And then Ed's like, it's not hip-hop, it's electro. <laughs> I don't know why. I always think that's hilarious.
0: Um, by the morning, a zombie apocalypse have has overwhelmed London. Uh, <laughs> Sean wakes up and goes down to get his... Paper, he follows the exact same route that we see earlier in the film. Uh, but in the background, there are blood everywhere, <laughs> and uh zombies everything zombies and, and everything's smashed, but he's just really hung over. He doesn't notice it. And he returns back to the uh the uh house, and Ed notices that there are is a woman in the garden, and so they go outside to check her out. And they realize that uh, she is a zombie. Uh, Another larger man comes and appears as well. And they're forced Also a zombie. Also a zombie. (laughs) And they're forced to fight them. Uh, (coughs) They first try throwing stuff like toasters. Records. Cans of soup. uh, And none of that works. So they break into the shed... (laughs) Excuse me, I got like a hair in my throat.
1: Yeah, and then they get a <coughs> cricket paddle and a shovel. And uh then, yeah, Sean and Ed start going to town on these zombies' heads with a cricket paddle and a shovel. And those end up being their weapons for much of the film. Yes, And then, so they... What do they? Do? They go back inside, and is this where they devise their plan of what they're going to do? Where yeah, they, go,
0: like, they go through the same plan like three times in a row because they keep yeah. forgetting stuff that they have to do.
1: Yeah. Okay. So go get my mom. <coughs> then we'll kill <coughs> Philip. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the
0: yeah. last one, he's like, "Don't forget, kill Phil." Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding uh, stuff. Yeah, that's where Sean calls his mom, and his mom's like. A guy tried to break into the house, and he's a bit bitey. He bit Phil. And yeah. so they're like, okay, we got to go take the roommate's car, uh, kill Phil, pick up his mom, go to pick up Liz, then go to where, where where they said at first come back here, and then they're like, well, no, that doesn't work. And then finally they come to the decision that they're going to come to go to the Winchester have a pint and wait for all of this to blow over um
1: flawless plan flawless
0: plan really uh so they go pick up uh uh they go to the house uh they they pick up um (laughs) sean goes in thinking he's gonna have to kill philip but philip's not dead (coughs) they pick them they eventually agree to pick both of them up there's also a hilarious scene where um Ed crashes the car that they were in so that they can take uh Phillips Jaguar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so they go, they go to the, uh, to the flat for Liz, for to pick up Liz and her friends, uh, David and Diane, he convinces them to go with them, get in the car. They're going to go to the Winchester and stay there because they know the place. They know the exits. They can, they have the doors with the big bars. So they know that they, People won't go in. which so I think is such a bad idea because isn't it like all windows? Like I was watching those of the nitpicks. I was like, why would you want to go somewhere that has huge windows? Like literally all, ar- all around. <coughs> I didn't understand that.
1: I don't know. The zombies in this movie aren't necessarily the brightest zombies. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty slow. They're pretty, pretty dumb. Like, you know. It's comedy, but I don't know. Maybe that's just another, yeah, it's very comic much thing, and it's, it's also ob- just shows you how dumb Sean and Ed are. That you know they wouldn't have thought like you know probably better place to go would be like an enclosed basement where no one can get to you, and you know maybe, yeah, or they could have just stayed, or oh. they could
0: have literally just stayed in Liz's flat, and like barricaded the door. Yeah, <laughs> but they're like, no, we can't do that literally any to,
1: place without grant direct ground access would be you know, yeah better
0: anyway i I was gonna say the zombies in this very much resemble george a romaro's zombies they're as you said they're slow shambling ambling shambling is that a word i don't know yeah i whatever they're they're yeah. slow slow zombies they're not dumb the, as fuck
1: yeah. not the
0: 28 days later rage zombies not the you know they're slow anyway so during the drive over there uh Philip dies uh not before uh telling Sean how much he loved him and he was only hard on him to uh to try and make him into a better man because he knew that there was greatness in him uh and then Philip dies and they're forced to abandon the car uh and their weapons in the car and lock Philip in the car then we also have the very hilarious scene where zombie philip is in the car and they had left the music on and it's a running joke where throughout the whole time that they're in the car philip says Mm -hmm. turn off the music to ed (coughs) and then um uh sean is trying to convince his mother that the uh philip in there is no longer the philip that she loves And he's in there waving his arm around, and then he turns off the music, which is really funny. (laughs) Um, Just really good comedic timing. Uh, And so they decide to run through the neighborhood. This is when they run into Sean's friend Yvonne and her group, which is a mirror of uh, his group. Apparently, there was supposed to be a possible sequel to this called Yvonne of the Dead that Mm -hmm. followed her. There was also a, a potential talked about sequel from Dusk Till Sean, which I think is an incredible name for <laughs> for a sequel to this, but that never coalesced. Yeah. Um, they decide to imitate the zombies. Uh, they come. They get to the Winchester, but they see that there's all these zombies around them. Uh, so they decide to imitate the uh, the zombies and and walk through the horde, uh, you know, pretending to be a zombie. But uh, Ed, for some reason, has his cell phone on him. So when they get to the door and they're trying to get in, his cell phone goes off, and it's somebody trying to buy drugs. And this causes Sean and Ed to have a uh, uh, a fight, and uh, and Sean lures them away using himself as bait. The group takes. Imagine
1: still trying to buy weed during the <laughs> apocalypse. yo, so, man. I just need I just need a half quarter right now. Like yeah, some know, people need the burn. Yeah, I'm really stressed out right now. I just need to, you know, go to bed. I just need to chill out, dog. I don't know. What happen? What would happen if he got a zombie high? That'd be sick. That's experiments that people need to do.
0: That would <clears throat> that would probably make them more hungry, wouldn't it? It's kind of dangerous.
1: Mm, yeah, because like, the zombies That's getting the right. munchies
0: isn't like isn't like oh, I'm gonna go get chips. It's like I'm gonna eat this child. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna bite your arm off um fair point fair yeah point. uh so maybe no weed for the zombies um yeah. after the group think- takes refuge inside the winchester sean discovers that the zombies have followed him and uh and they ed unwittingly attracts them by playing the pub's uh pinball machine or fruit or gambling machine i don't know what it is um and uh they wind up fighting the zombified landlord or bar owner and uh they uh, that's when you have the famous queen scene because they send uh david down to the basement to turn off the breakers but he accidentally turns everything on which runs the yeah. jukebox and then you have the don't stop me now where they're smashing the zombie in the head repeatedly with pool cues mm-hmm. to the beat of queen's don't stop me now uh and excellent. then yeah it's excellent excellent stuff and then uh also they discover that the Winchester rifle above the bar is functional as Ed had mentioned before uh that he had heard from Big Al that the gun is actually functional because the owner knew some thugs or gang members or whatever. Um <clears throat> after that his blast. mom Barbara reveals she was bitten and dies um <clears throat> after giving Liz uh a gift from sean's biological father and gives the approval of their relationships uh david attempts to shoot barbara but sean stops him and they all argue amongst each other uh and uh and sean says david always uh hates him and is in love with liz uh uh because and has always been and his uh, i guess david's girlfriend diane admits she understands um but sean is forced to shoot like
1: a running thing throughout the movies they're like Sean's like, like after they, after I forget what happens after she breaks up with him, oh, Sean yeah, he's like, says oh. something like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go tell her how much you love her. And then he's like, what, why would I do that? Like, Oh yeah. You know, like, he's, he's like, I don't know why I said off that. Four eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, he, Sean is forced to shoot his own mother and it's actually quite a touching sequence. Uh, f- there's a, a, quite a few touching sequences in this movie surprisingly for a film that's like kind of a satire comedy about zombies there's some stuff in here that's really really uh kind of <coughs> emotional mm-hmm. and well done too <coughs> excuse me i must have like you hair okay?
1: i don't know i've got yeah. like a hair in my throat or something um mm. are you turning into a zombie Did you i get might be by somebody i huh. very well
0: might be uh, and then, uh, the zombies break into the pub. They pull David through a window and rip him apart. Uh, <laughs>
1: which is hilarious. Like, I don't know why it's like, it's so gory, but just the way they rip him apart is hilarious. And then the way like sh- she goes after him afterwards is also hilarious. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he's well, kind he's of an idiot, clearly like, dead. <laughs> yeah. It's funny.
0: I-, I probably wouldn't have gone after him if it was me, but you know, um, Obviously, they were distraught. The zombies... Diane rushes into a horde of, of, of zombies brandishing David's severed leg in an attempt to save him. Uh, she's obviously dead. Um, the zombified Pete, their former flatmate, appears. Uh, Actually,
1: can I say something? Yeah. On the Blu-ray, there's a DVD... There's a, Well, I guess a Blu-ray extra scene where it explains some plot holes. So apparently... I only watched like two of them, which is what I forget what the first one was. But then I remember hers and she goes out there and she actually makes it to a tree and she just climbs the tree and falls asleep into a tree and just outlasts the zombie apocalypse by falling asleep in a tree. Apparently that's what happens. Like, I don't know. There's these fun little animated things that Edgar Wright made that are on the extras.
0: Oh, that's sick. Well, then I guess uh, Diane survives yeah um pete comes in uh and bites ed sean shoots and kills pete by shooting him through the head uh that the zombies are coming in they've now entered the horde of them have broken through the window they're in the bar so sean liz and ed take cover behind the bar and uh and sean sets it on fire they open up the cellar door and take refuge in there um and they have a discussion about what to do next. They realize they only have two bullets left. So Sean and Liz contemplate to murder suicide and uh Ed decides, you know, what I can be eaten by the zombies cuz I'm already bitten. I'm going to turn into a zombie. Um <clears throat> but then they uh, discover a keg lift that opens out into the street and Ed volunteers to stay with the rifle as the zombies break in and right as they get outside they're ready to fight their way out of there. The British army show up and just shoot all of the zombies and uh and Yvonne is there, and Yvonne brings Sean and Liz, and apparently they go to safety. And Mm -hmm. we have a post, uh, you know, like a denouement of six months later. Uh, Oh,
1: I remembered what the other one was. You know, remember the scene where Sean goes outside the bar to create, like, a distraction? Oh, yes. Or whatever? It explains what happens there. (laughs) So it's in that where he's like... So he's like, yeah, so I just had the distracted zombies and had them chase me, which I realized is very easy because they're very slow. So I would just get like 10 paces ahead and then wait for them and then go another 10 paces ahead and wait for them. And then, you know, another 10. And then eventually I just made it back to the bar.
0: I'm surprised that they didn't include that because that sounds like it would be very visually funny. Like him like yeah. running 10 paces up and then just sitting there and looking at them and watching them come and then being like, all right, doing another 10 paces. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be pretty funny. I'm surprised that they didn't include that. Because that's very much like kind of Edgar Wright's...
1: I wonder if you can find them on YouTube because you you should watch them.
0: I will check I'll it out them. afterwards. Anyway, we find six months later that civilization has returned to normal. Surviving zombies are being used for cheap labor and entertainment. Liz and Sean have moved in together and they seem to be better than ever. And Sean keeps the zombified Ed tethered in the shed where they play video games from time to time. And the movie ends on a happy note. (coughs) What else can I say? That's pretty much the plot. It's it's a fairly contained, straightforward, as it is a comedy, you don't really expect a whole lot uh, added a lot of complex stuff. The relationships are relatively simple and clear cut, but the writing is so good that it doesn't really matter. Like simplicity in this case, just kind of like works. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean,
1: there's a lot of cool things that I also like didn't realize like watching it younger, like a lot of the video game references, like, you know, how they're, like how they play video games like and you know and then there's the scene where Ed's playing video games and then Sean comes in and Sean like tells him like where to shoot and then when they're in the Winchester and then Sean has the gun and then it's shot from like a first person perspective where it looks like a like a first person shooter game and then you know Ed's telling him where to shoot again and then you know obviously there's like you know uh Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, they're like huge Resident Evil fans. Like in that episode of Space, like there's a whole bunch of references to Resident Evil. So there's like video game references in this too. Um, You know, and then at the end, you know, they're playing video games together. You know, so I think they got some nice love for video games, which uh, we also love video games. So I don't know. I just never really noticed, especially like the first person sort of like shooter thing. It didn't really, never really picked up on that. But uh, that just shows, you know, Edgar Wright has, you know, smart camera ideas. I don't know. I don't know how much of it's his ideas and how much it's him, like of his actual cinematographer. Like, I don't even know who his cinematographer or let's see right here. We can pull David up. M. Dunlap is the cinematographer on that. I don't know if him and Edgar Wright have worked together multiple times. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, he has a very distinct visual style. But, like, it'd be cool to see him do like a video game movie. I think that would work. Cause he has that sort of like, you know, he has a very video game sort of pacing to his, uh, you know, his style. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I could definitely see it. I mean, he did do the whole music stuff with uh, baby driver, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. And that's another movie that if you want to, if you want to see Edgar Wright's like kind of uh, freakish, freakish love of like rhythm rhythmic editing and choreography and stuff and and connecting it to music that movie is like a bunch of music videos put together like a narrative
1: yeah it's it's crazy I wonder if edgar ray has done lots of music videos because well, like you can pull that up right
0: now and find out
1: yeah he's done a couple of music videos so that makes sense because yeah he has a very Music video style to like, I don't know, yeah. I guess he just loves music. Like, I know he did the uh, a documentary about the Spark Brothers, the Sparks. I don't know, I don't know the band, but anyway, the Sparks Brothers uh,
0: documentary, Baby Driver, yeah. Ant Man. He was a writer on and an executive which, producer,
1: which some of his stuff still made it into uh, um, uh, blah 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 ant-man like i rem, like i remember him i forget if it was like a it was pretty sure his interview where he was saying that like a lot like the whole fight scene where it's like on like the tiny train and like in with like the kids toys and stuff like i think that was his original like he originally wrote that oh scene yeah and,
0: and and the part yeah. where they're fighting on the train and then it cuts out to like normal size and the train yeah. just like falls over gently mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah that's definitely a yeah, like very like, edgar right thing yeah that's <laughs> definitely his style of stuff
0: um yeah there's yeah. there's some stuff in this that in this movie that like i just just some of the visual stuff and the way that it's cut that like made me howl watching it this time the first scene where they're talking to each other about about how like they never get time to themselves and they always do the same thing and and Liz oh, is yeah. talking and about she's like she's like well you're just always with him cuz you live with him and i know he's your best friend but like can you not get time away from him it's not like i, I it's not like i hate him but like come on and then he's like you she, she turns and she's like you know i don't hate you ed and he's right beside them yeah. on the one side and he's like oh no it's fine and then they're yeah. talking about how they want to get well, time for themselves and he's like she's yeah. like we just want some free time so he's like oh fuck <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <clears throat> I just want to have some alone time to cock it. <laughs> and then and then Sean's talking about her friends, Dave and Diane. She's like, well, he's like, well, I don't want to go over to your house with well, Dave and Diane are always there and like da 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 He's like, "I, you know, I love you guys, You're though, and it right cuts there. over and they're right there. It's so funny yeah. the way that he like builds the space of her looking at Ed, like turning to Ed, and then it cuts to show Ed, and then the exact same thing happens right after with – Uh, Dave and Diane like just Mm -hmm. it's just stuff like that like it's really I I don't want to say that it's like you know incredibly life changing comedy but the way it's done so well and it's so funny that like this movie just it's like a well oiled machine it just works so well it's simple to the point but it's still heartfelt enough that there's moments that tug on your heartstrings it's so well written that you know you 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 are it's witty there's banter but the references to like western culture and zombies and everything it really is a prime example of kind of like transnational comedy um Mm -hmm. and also putting a spin on a, a genre that um you know in many ways i mean this was still early in the zombie time like there was, the-
1: yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because to me, this movie and like 28 days later, for some reason, to me, they just came out around the same time. And they're like, to me, like the peak zombie content of the time, which ironically, they're both British. And I think they just both nailed, you know, the two sides of the zombie coin, you know, the serious and the f- funny. Um, Yeah. It's funny that the British people, you know, they can do zombies so well and that Americans, you know, we've just been rehashing the same old shit over here for a while, repeatedly over the last 20 years. But, um, yeah, no, it's very, yeah, as we've said many times, it manages to touch on, you know, has the very British aspects and also has the American aspects, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know because, yeah, I don't think like this one has a lot of crossover appeal, whereas like Hot Fuzz and The World's End, I think those two are very more distinctively British movies. I think. I don't know because like yeah because Hot Fuzz has a lot more references to like small town like British culture and then I guess I don't know the world's end it kind of you can yeah I guess it just kind of has like sort of like archetypal male characters like old guy like the guy that's still partying way too late into his life than he yeah. should. I mean yeah. each
0: one of his films like they kind of like it's it's a satire on a on a specific genre, but it's also like exploring a different kind of like fault in a in Simon Pegg's character, like Nick yeah. Frost kind of plays the kind of lovable oaf in all of them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then Simon Pegg's character it's like a different variation of like a kind of personal fault, like this yeah. one he's kind of like absentee or like checked out of life doesn't really try too hard, slacker. And then mm-hmm. in Hot Fuzz, he's the opposite. It's the opposite. He's a try hard and he tries too hard and too much. And it costs him, even when he's right, he's just like overbearingly he's overbearing in his uh want to do good. And then in the last one he's plays the character who's you know past his prime and wants to live in the glory glory years. Um And then, but in each of them, kind of Nick Frost plays a relatively, uh, I don't want to say similar character, but plays a kind of buddy to Simon Pegg's character, like a comedic. uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and Shaun of the Dead, he's like, even somehow, because like, it's kind of funny how it sets up the dynamic of like, oh, look, Shaun is such a slacker. His life kind of sucks. But then, like, hey, look, Ed's life sucks even more. Like, it sets up that kind of hilarious dynamic. And then, yeah, in Hot Fuzz, he's just kind of like a, you know, sort of fumbling kind of guy. And then in The World's End, he's actually, like, the rational one, though. Like, he's, like, the one that's like, come on, dude, you need to get your shit together. Like, you can't be doing a fucking bar crawl at 40. Like, yeah. So crazy. it's
0: not like he's the exact same character, but he plays like a foil to, uh, yeah. Whatever Simon, whatever Peg Simon Pegg is. Peg is. <clears throat> um, kind of. but yeah, I found the, uh, the speech that Ed gives, Ed gives a speech that goes something along the lines of, he's saying what he, what they what we should do tomorrow. He's like, we should just keep drinking. We should just have a great time and, and just get, you know, Get messed up, and he says, you know we'll wake up, we'll have a bloody Mary first thing, which is a reference to the woman Mary, who's a zombie uh in their backyard, who they push to on top of a they impale her on a uh a pole and blood flies everywhere, and then there's a bite at the king's head afterwards, which is the fact that referencing the fact that Philip gets bit uh on the neck uh and uh and he is, quote, unquote, the king of the family. Um, and then there's the couple Couple drinks at the little, well, he just says, then we'll have a couple at the little princesses, <clears throat> uh, which would be uh, they go to pick up uh, the, they go to the little princess, pr- princess being Liz, Sean's princess in the film, in the story, uh, and the couple, Dave and Diane, who are there uh then they will stagger back here to the Winchester uh which they do by pretending to be zombies and shuffling and staggering and moaning their way back to the Winchester and bang they're back at the Winchester for shots uh which is a reference to <clears throat> the fact that they uh find the gun and use it uh really? so they pretty much outline the whole think of what's going to happen, uh, before the zombie outbreak is even confirmed. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just another tongue in cheek way, uh, like in, um, uh, at world's end or the, sorry, the world's end, this is not Pirate of the Caribbean pod yet. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they, all the bars at, in the world's end, uh, kind of the name of them explains what's going to happen in each of the bar or what the name it references to some part of the action in that uh, bar mm-hmm. and what happens. So, you know, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, they like to have fun with kind of, you know, tongue in cheek humor and, uh, and, and they, they play it really well. And for many people, I feel like it would kind of fall flat. Like some of the stuff, the repetition stuff that you have, like the fact that uh, 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 Sean's mom says, Hello, every time is so funny. <laughs> like she never says anything different. Like like someone will be like, Oh, Barbara, sit down, and she'll just be like, Hello. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but it's and and for many, I feel like that would kind of fall flat after like eventually. But they're so smart in the times that they like repeat things or they play things for laughs. Just the pacing and the kind of like comedic timing is so good in this film. Um I mean, it's hard to talk about comedies because you know you you're never going to deliver it as good as the film does. Um, right, I think yeah. we've said that many a time, so I don't want to get into like the oh, what's the funniest scene and you know. Um, but it just just the overall pleasure of wa- watching this film and the fact that it's so like it's short. Like, it's like the perfect. I guess it's not short. It's like the perfect time. Like, I think an hour and a half is a really good time for comedy. Maybe even... Yeah, yeah.
1: Anything, yeah, anything longer than that is a bit too much. Like, comedies are supposed to be easy, digestible, and, like, you know, quick and fun. Like, it's not supposed to be long and daunting. It's like, you know, the way Judd Apatow makes movies, it's not how you're supposed to do comedies. It's not supposed to have a long, lingering third act, you know, it's supposed to wrap up nicely and like easily like there's again a lot of plot holes in this but it's a comedy it doesn't matter like how does Nick Frost's body get from the basement of the Winchester back to uh you know Sean's shed I don't know I don't care but that's hilarious that he has a zombie locked up in a shed that he plays video games with yeah it's hilarious (laughs) I'm not gonna question the logic of it
0: yeah there's uh there's a, and I, and I like that though. I like the fact that they're, they, they aren't necessarily taking themselves too seriously with it. um Maybe not like, you know, in a good way, it's, it's fun. It's a fun, very fun movie. And, um but technically with all of the like various kind of cool things that are being done as far as like f- editing and film wise and uh kind of the, the visual comedy that that edgar wright kind of manages to pull out the comedic timing through visuals like it's just Mm -hmm. excellent stuff um and so it like i said it winds up working like this really well oiled machine it's an hour and 40 minutes uh not even really because like the, the i think five minutes of that is
1: Um yeah, so it's like an hour uh, thirty-five, hour thirty, hour thirty-five, which is yeah, like perfect comedy time. You know, yeah, like comedy is perfectly like right in the hour twenty, hour forty, hour forty-five. Like right in that time, like that's the perfect amount. And like, yeah. And you know, Edgar Wright, yeah, him and Simon Pegg, they're good writers. They know each other's strengths, they know what they're doing. And I think like, you know, they prove that time and time well, time and time again. You know, Edgar writes, you know, his movies, you know, are always pretty good. I haven't seen Last Night in Soho. Apparently, people didn't like it as much as his other stuff. I don't know. I'll watch it eventually. But uh, you know, Simon Pegg is, you know, he's just a now Hollywood screenwriter. Like, didn't he write multiple of the like Star Trek and like Mission <clears throat> Impossible movies now or something? Like
0: Um, I think he was involved in it. Let me take a look here. Uh he was in um uh, Yeah, bu- he bu- bu- co-wrote
1: Star Trek Beyond. Uh, yeah, so he co-wrote that. But yeah, so like that's pretty cool. Him and Dick Frost wrote uh Paul. Uh Simon Pegg also wrote Run Fat Boy Run, which came around around the same time as Hot Fuzz. So yeah. uh actually, yeah, because I saw Run Fat Boy Run for some reason me and my mom rented it one night and then i think that was maybe the first Simon peg movie i saw and then like i started watching like hot fuzz and shawn of the dead but i think it was through that movie that i saw it so that movie's i was actually pretty funny that's more like just straightforward wholesome british comedy um uh, yeah that's also a good movie i love simon peg simon peg's fantastic i love him he does a lot of good shit
0: yeah, he's, he's, it, he's, he's uh, mm-hmm. a <clears throat> he has done quite a bit. And I mean, he wound up getting himself into a, a franchise like Mission Impossible from, he, I think he came in in the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Mission Impossible 3. And he was kind of a bit part. And then mm-hmm. he managed to, I don't know if he just, he just was liked so much that he, he, uh, uh, Brought, I don't know. Maybe brought on as a, as a more permanent thing, but now he's
1: like an actual member of the team. Maybe like, he witnessed Tom Cruise murder somebody.
0: Maybe so he has that.
1: Who knows? I don't know. But he was or being Tom able. Cruise imagine like Tom Cruise just really liking you just I fuck like I don't know Tom Cruise just like <laughs> he's, he's just like, like an him. overbearing I fucking love Simon Pegg hell yeah and this Simon Pegg's just like, he needs oh, Benji oh. needs to stay um yeah <laughs> imagine having Tom Cruise as an overbearing friend that you're just like yeah it's my friend Tom you'd be a bit much sometimes but you know he's, he's a cool guy And it's just fucking Tom Cruise. Like,
0: you guys want to see me climb a wall? Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see it. (laughs) you guys want to see me climb a wall. Yeah. And, and then he's also Montgomery, Scotty Scott and, and all the Star Trek. And yeah, he did co-write Star Trek beyond, which, uh, which felt more like an actual episode of Star Trek than I feel like the other ones did, um, I, I like that yeah. one. There's yeah. He, I don't just,
1: think I only saw the first Star Trek of the recent. it's a trilogy, right? Because the Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, Star Trek Beyond. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I only they, saw the first one.
0: Um, I think I thought that they're they're all good. I mean, they're all they're all fine movies. They're all good if you like star trek and you you know it's i
1: do like star trek so cool. it's into
0: darkness is good it's got uh benadryl cucumber uh cu- oh yeah cumber, cumber dad j- j- uh c- capybara um <laughs> no benedict cumberbatch uh he plays uh con uh it's I'm, it's not a spoiler alert anymore because it's been out yeah. for yeah, I know. I knew that. Uh <laughs> But yeah, no, he plays Khan. Uh and it's all right. Like it's a pretty good, you know, I'm it's pretty good. Uh and then Star Trek Beyond is is it, it's more like an epi- old episode of like Star Trek than it is like the uh, the kind of format of the first two, which were very JJ Abramsy. Um this one is a lot more kind of Plays like an old episode of Star Trek, like just a special, like a two-hour special. Um, and also it is the la- last uh, uh, appearance of Anton Yelton. Um, may he rest in peace. Uh, and uh, and right. it, it, Idris Elba is like an alien, kind of cool. I don't know. It was, it was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, no, Shaun of the Dead, I mean... It's it put its spin on the on the zombie <clears throat> kind of uh the resurgence of it, it was early on in the resurgence of the zombie uh kind of uh genre of film,
1: yeah.
0: And it it it's kind in, of oh, go ahead,
1: it's in my top three of like zombie movies. Actually, all of my favorite zombie movies are from this era. Like, so Shaun of the Dead, 28 Days Later, as I said. And then also Zack Snyder's remake of oh, Dawn of the yeah. Dead came out around this time, <clears throat> and I I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember loving that movie as like a teenager. So. Oh, it's
0: Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is excellent. I think yeah, I think so, that there that this was still when this when these were coming out. This was like the early the the like yeah, early, early resurgence. Mid-2000s. Yeah, the early resurgence of zombie films, and then it kind of everything was zombie right like mm-hmm. then it was like zombie everything everywhere zombie yeah. zombified zombie 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 and then it grew tiresome and it grew but like this really took kind of the genre of zombie film that existed even before like going back to to night of the living dead and day of the dead mm-hmm. and all that stuff and turned it on its head and played it and there's a lot of tongue and cheek uh and that's why it kind of lasted as one of the better uh kind of zombie genre films that uh that that is still kind of rewatchable and fun and holds up today um mm-hmm. because at that point it was you know uh uh it was something that was kind of i don't want to say totally new but it was the kind of first wave of the resurgence of of the zombie film uh and yeah. zombie genre um I, I agree with you on Zack snyder's uh uh dawn of the dead remake i think that that was like he really took it there you know what i mean that was where it was like he made the remake but was like we're gonna take it darker we're gonna do we're gonna do it we're gonna push the limits on it and you know it had the lady giving birth to the baby zombie and
1: yeah uh yes uh dawn of the dead that was 2004 as well so that was oh and that movie was written by james gunn hmm interesting, so, yeah, so there you go. That's a cool duo, James Gunn and Zach Snyder. James Gunn also to note a another one that does a fantastic combination of horror and comedy. So yes, yeah, maybe we'll talk about James Gunn later next year, who knows, but, yeah, no, James Gunn' sick, but yeah, two thousand and four, so yeah. When did 28 Days Later come out? Uh, let
0: me see 28 Days. I feel like that might have been, like, 2002? 2002, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, 2002, okay. So, yeah, so, like, 2002, 2004, like, those three movies basically shaped, like, what I fucked with about zombies, and then, like, the Left for Dead games. So that was, like, my intake of zombies, and then, like, the first few seasons of Walking Dead were pretty sick and then eventually it was just like and then eventually what make it then then you get to like 20 2010 then it's just like okay there's too many fucking zombies we gotta yeah we got it got
0: them. to be a bit much uh there was like a lot of them and then you also had a, a bunch more that came out you know later down the line um that that. uh uh and some sequels and stuff like that. that so I just guess didn't... The Walking
1: Dead started in 2010, which I guess that would be sort of the decline of zombies because that movie or that show basically became the apex of zombies. Like that is now, I think, when people think of zombies, I think most people think of The Walking Dead before they would think of, you know... Yeah, I
0: mean, like, the, the, you it got the dead, to right? the... It got to the like you had twenty-eight days later, we we had the Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, and then going into the later two thousands, you had thing like things like Planet Terror and a lot of B zombie movies. Um uh you know, and then you had other films like <clears throat> like Wreck uh and Zombieland and all of that stuff. Um yeah. that kind of it <sighs> it kind of grew tiresome and then you had in the 20 2010s you know you had um uh uh like you said the walking dead and and it just became kind of oversaturated you also had world war z which was supposed to be this like the book world war z was like a phenomenon within the kind of zombie community and you had all the games left for dead left for dead 2 you know yeah. what's the one in the mall dead rising
1: like dead
0: island is this zombie yeah. zombie President zombies
1: its own thing now. like it's not even about zombies now it's about like fucking corporate overlords making fucking super people fucked up
0: That sounds more like a uh, a resident evil in our society than uh, a zombie. I mean, I don't know a zombie. I couldn't, I've never met one. Um, I
1: mean, in the most recent Resident Evil game, there's a giant baby that's chasing after you. So I don't know if you consider that a zombie, but it's a giant baby that eats people. uh, um,
0: Sounds terrifying. Um, And I don't say that with sarcasm. A giant baby that eats people does sound quite terrifying. Yeah. um but uh yeah world war z i mean that kind of uh it, it it diverges from the source uh and it's still kind of fun but at that point people were tired of it there were some notable like recent zombie films that have come out like i would say train to busan was uh, uh a very notable but it was not a, a western cool. film um uh
1: There's a movie that just came out this year called The Sadness, which isn't more, it's not a zombie movie per se, but it's like a rage virus sort of thing where it makes humans do like the most despicable things they can think of. So it's kind of like a super hyper violent sort of take on zombies. Um, But I guess, yeah, that's more similar to like something like The Crazies and... Oh, but, but that uh, was yeah. another
0: example. That crazies is another example of one that's it's kind of like a pseudo zombie film. But yeah, they are... where
1: people have done their own thing with the zombies. Like, there's been movies like now where they've gone back. Like, there's like Nazi zombie movies, like, you know, like Dead Snow, like the Call of Duty zombies mode. Oh, like, what was the
0: one where that was about the people? Was it called like Outrage or. It was the one that where where the people overlord, overlord overlord yeah, yeah, that movie that was, didn't we watch that together? That movie was yeah. like kind of all right, actually. It was kind of sick, but I don't know now they're re- like zombies are kind of coming back again. they had Army of the Dead they had army of Z- Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which I actually yeah. didn't hate. um, it was too long. Uh, but I was like, you know, yeah, this is all a, Snyder movies. Yeah, this I was like, this is fun, and also like he's kind of like mixing in the possibility of it, kind of having to do with aliens, and there's like robot zombies and some weird stuff, and it's just it's just kind of weird, but but it's fun. It's like a fun action zombie film. Um, they're remaking mm-hmm. Train to Busan, but they're making it called The Last Train to New York. Um, yeah. I don't really see why they need to do that. Like just like,
1: I don't know.
0: Just like leave it, you know. Like, Train to Busan is like incredible. Like, why would you change? I don't
1: know. I hate when they do American remakes of horror movies. Like, there's always they always do that. They always find something. Like they they recently just remade a what what was it? I want to say it was Austrian movie called Good Night, Mommy which is, like, a fucked-up movie about, like, a mom that gets, uh, like, face surgery, like, cosmetic surgery, and then, like, she has her kids, and there's, like, some weird shit going on. And, like, it's a straightforward enough movie. It's, like, why? You don't have to remake it, like, you know? But but they did. They did, and apparently everyone hates it. It's, like, see, like, you know, when something just i don't know people are especially now so many people i was reading an article about how so many people now like more people now are watching movies with and television with the subtitles on like they don't like they don't need them on but more people are just choosing to watch stuff with subtitles on and it's becoming a more normalized thing so like i am there's less of a need to remake um
0: foreign language films of foreign, foreign films. language yeah. films
1: unless unless you can really really convert it to you know really represent something like different about the culture for example the departed that movie works because it like the whole it being set in boston becomes a whole different thing on its own involving the irish mob becomes a whole different thing on its own rather than it being like a yakuza story or or uh uh like a chinese triad one or whatever it was sorry but um you know like <laughs> i forget don't kill me yeah whatever. we, we aren't I we mean. aren't walking
0: encyclopedias we screw things up sometimes so guys it's, um, it happens
1: so you know but like when it's just a straightforward horror movie like you know changes of bison it's like okay yeah it's a zombie movie that takes place on a train like that's universal so like i don't really get why it needs to now be oh it's now going to new york it's like who gives a shit like yeah some uh, why, i why do you need to make it Again, why do you like, need to make why? it
0: like just watch the watch watch it it's like not even like 10 years old just watch it's it looks great it's why why do you need to redo like, yeah, it that, i don't that's get another it
1: another thing too is it's always something recent too it's always like oh here's like a thing like when they decided to do like the ring and uh the grudge as remakes, and they're like, oh, we need to start remaking every single Japanese and Korean horror movie because people love this shit. And then there is an oversaturation of creepy little white girls with long black hair dangling from the ceiling. And then everyone's like, this isn't scare anymore. Like, you know, like we don't care. Well, By I the think I, I, everyone was over it. I <laughs>
0: think one scary movie three managed to come out and make fun of it. Cindy, your TV's yeah. leaking. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah um we gotta talk scary movie at some
0: point yeah we do have to talk about scary movie at some point some other zombie movies that came out lately there was like patient zero a lot of them were british actually patient Mm -hmm. zero the girl with all the gifts um oh what was the other one cargo with martin freeman uh, where he's, like, in Australia, which is actually kind of cool, setting a zombie film in Australia, Bush. And, you know, the people, it's just become kind of, like, a commonplace genre, and it got played out a bit. There have been some stuff that's come out recently, and it kind of, you know, kind of ebbs and flows. Um, but really, there was nothing like that early run, the, the Dawn of the Dead. Like, those three films, uh, 28 Days Later, um, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead in this film, like yeah ooh la la those are all excellent and we considered doing 28 days later last year uh and mm-hmm. we will do an episode on that film because um
1: yeah, that movie's just one of my favorite movies of all time yeah it's so. just
0: great. the the cast is great you've got killian murphy you've got uh uh Brennan gleason Brennan gleason um you've got uh is it Thandi newton who's in it or is it uh, uh how am i forgetting this hold on i got to look it up so that i don't sound like an idiot um maybe it's no, not Naomi Harris oh naomi Harris that's who it is um and Christopher uh Eccleston, Eccleston. Yeah. yeah he's in it like it's, it's some it's just and Danny Boyle firing on all cylinders using the kind of grainy digital t- stuff like or was it filmed was it filmed on on no, it was digital, right?
1: He's... I think it was digital. Yeah, he filmed it on like weird. Maybe he did it on like video or something. But yeah, no, it has that weird sort of grainy British look to it. But like, it works so well <coughs> for that movie. It just
0: and let's bring it all together. Considering we just, you know, uh, <clears throat> Zack Snyder, uh, with the remake of Dawn of the Dead, written by James Gunn. 28 days later written directed by Danny Boyle a very well known british filmmaker uh uh written by probably my favorite person working in in sci-fi and horror right now or one of them i mean it's him and uh and eggers and a couple other folks but alex garland r- wrote uh 28 days later um, Oh yeah yeah he did yeah So you know like it's this is the the it's deeper it goes deeper folks um but Shaun of the dead i mean what can you say it's it's just a fun movie it's a good time it's a it's it's you know it's got a it's got some jump scares it's got a little bit of horror but it's offset by some really good comedy timing writing nick frost and simon pegg make a really really good duo um oh yeah and and Edgar Wright, working together having met you know being involved in british comedy and 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 uh, f- and coming kind of coming up together, any of the three flavors Carnetto trilogy films are a good time uh mm-hmm. and they're all kind of horror adjacent so if you're looking for something this spooky season to watch that might be uh <clears throat> lighter uh than uh, you know uh an actual horror film uh but you want still want to stay in the vibe those would be really good uh options and you have your choice cults uh zombies or aliens so you know yeah. that's I mean,
1: all fantastic choices
0: yeah it's 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 all it's all fantastic um <clears throat> i don't know anything else we want to talk about Shaun of the dead i mean it pretty much sells itself it's 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 good shit yeah no it's uh
1: it's hilarious like even i love The one scene I forgot that's so funny is when uh, Sean's at the beginning at his job and he's just getting like shredded by that like one kid. Oh, yeah. It just answers the phone and he's like, come on, man. Like, we can't do like person, can't take personal calls or whatever. And then somebody calls for Sean and then the one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Philip
0: shows up and he's like, he's like, well, I can't take personal calls, but you can talk to your dad. Oh, it was an emergency your mom's flowers were an emergency or something. <laughs> like picking up flowers for your mom is an emergency. It's just funny. That yeah, kid's funny too. He wound up being on some TV show, didn't he? Or he was from some TV show. Was it the In Between years or something? I feel like that kid was, wound up being on a different British TV show that was part of the kind of like Brit late, late 2000s, early 2010s wave of like British television that came back like i don't think it was skins but anyway I don't know. whatever actually i'll just look it up afterwards and we'll figure it out but that kid he's super familiar i feel like i've seen him somewhere oh you know what i can pull up imdb the power of the internet
1: you know who it is his name is Rafe Spall, and he is the son of one timothy spall what so but uh no i don't think he is any in any shows that you're thinking of i yep. don't know i i'm not overly familiar with british television so i gotta
0: look this up because i'm gonna it's gonna drive me crazy to figure out who what he was wait wait a second what that's rafe spall
1: yeah, Rave like Ball, Raffy Ball, like know.
0: the like the guy from the Ritual.
1: Uh, yeah, from the Big yeah, Short—that's him. Yeah, that, that's him. Holy that's, shit! Yeah, yeah, brother.
0: Wow. For some reason, that just makes me feel really old.
1: Well, he's old now. He's uh, he's an old man. No, he's not an old man. But he's forty now, or something like that. So. He's getting he's no, he's a middle-aged person
0: now. Oh, no, I'm getting there too. Yes. Uh anyway, that's the horror for this <laughs> episode. <laughs> the the, the uh, never-ending fear of, of time marching forward. <laughs> um uh,
1: uh, the nimbleness of life.
0: <laughs> oh, he was the bad guy in Jurassic World, wasn't he? In the in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, he was. was. Oh, God damn, that's him! I was looking at him. I was like, this kid has been on some TV show or something. He looks so familiar. Uh, no, it's just Rafe Spall, actor from multiple films. The ritual is actually pretty good. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. That movie's. If you're looking for a horror movie that's a little bit different uh and you like kind of like norse norse horror well, i guess
1: well yeah psychological... if, you just like, if, you just, if you like just cult shit like the occult stuff like which me and pear really like that sort of stuff so yeah we watched that a couple months ago and we enjoyed it oh he yeah. was
0: in prometheus too
1: well would you look at that this guy's just so that's totally... why i recognize
0: him, but he looks so young in that I mean, maybe yeah. he was like eighteen or something.
1: Maybe because
0: that was almost twenty years ago. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that aged me. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I guess that was our talk on uh, Sean of the Dead, a fantastic yeah. comedy horror film from Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. It's. Uh, I don't think you can actually stream it anywhere. If you're looking for it, you um, might have to just rent it.
1: Yeah, I have the trilogy on Blu-ray, so suck it.
0: i was gonna say what do you what do you want them to do with that information email you and ask to borrow it like um yeah no but i i rented a local library yeah it was Uh, relatively cheap though on uh, i think if you have like a paramount plus you can watch it or if you have like stars you can watch it but uh it's not on any of the regular regular ones um i had to rent it but uh but it still holds up it was still a good time there's a couple jokes that are uh definitely of the time, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, there's one yeah. one in particular that I was kind of surprised, I forgot about. Uh, maybe I blocked it out of my mind. Um, but uh, but for the most part, it's it's uh held up really well, and just technically, it's like if you're watching it and you're into movies, pay attention to the pacing, the editing, the cutting, the way that the kind of comedy t- and the action and everything ties into the kind of rhythm of the film or the way that Edgar Wright kind of sets up jokes visually, it's outstanding stuff. Like it's like a, a plus work. Um, and I can understand why it has maintained such a kind of cult, uh, following and, and reverence and praise. I guess I should, should we say what the, the, the people thought of it? The critics thought of it. I, we usually do that. Don't we? Um, Um.
1: Well, yeah, people just liked it. I mean... Yeah, yeah, I guess that's
0: pretty much all we can say. People really, people really liked it. it. And as,
1: yeah, and as we mentioned at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of you know, film studies analysis and people have read into it different ways, but I don't know. I feel like reading into a comedy movie is kind of silly because I don't think a lot of the things that people are reading into it were, you know, written into it. I don't think it's that kind of movie i think it was just a silly zombie movie about you know and kind of has the slacker characters that you know simon Pegg had played before and you know it's just really just playing to the strengths of simon Pegg and edgar wright really in their first sort of big film their big first foray into film and you know You just saw their style expand over time, especially, you know, Edgar Wright's style, you know, keeps evolving. And, you know, like we said, he finally achieved his dream of basically making a musical film. That's not really a musical because it's a heist film. Yeah. With Baby Driver. Driver.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I'll just say it received obvious, clear, critical acclaim. 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Average score of 7.8. Site consensus reads: Shaun of the Dead cleverly balances scares with witty satire, making for a bloody good zombie movie with loads of wit. Metacritic gives it a seventy-six, uh, and uh, the BBC called it side-splitting, head-splashing, head-smashing, gloriously gory horror comedy that will amuse casual viewers and delight genre fans. Um, general response: four stars out of five, four and a half out of st- uh, out of five. Uh, Peter Bradshaw gave it four, boasts a script crammed with real gags and is pacely directed and nicely acted. Um, uh, You know, they, Wendy Eyed for Screen Daily wrote that the film proves that the move from small to big screen comedy does not always end in artistic failure, saying the film stays true to Peg and Wright's style, but also makes use of comedy more accessible to the British masses than that of spaced. You know. On and on and on, generally More or less what we were saying yeah, I was, I was, that's why I'm not going to read it anymore because the rest of it is pretty much what we've said already, um so you know we're we're uh, we're not alone in our feelings of how great this is, and I think that uh you know the general public loved it, the critics loved it mm-hmm. it's a good flick, so if you're looking for something, check it out um, yeah. i don't know should we should we muse on some things that we've watched, listened to, or should we just uh
1: yeah s- i've got some things that have been bothering me that like i've got a i've got some bones to pick with some motherfuckers out here <laughs> all right
0: okay. well let's end out on uh, on shawn of the dead uh, uh if you haven't seen it check it out if you're looking for a yeah. funny zombie one that's good now let's get to the bones to pick what's the what bones yeah. must be picked
1: okay so um i recently watched the movie blonde which is on Netflix.
0: Oh, here so, we go.
1: It's a film about Marilyn Monroe. It is not a biopic about Marilyn Monroe. It is written and directed by Andrew Dominic, who, you know, made uh, um, Killing Them Softly and, more importantly, uh, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, okay, which is arguably... wait, wait. wait.
0: Before you jump into this, I want to say I have not seen Blonde and I am not responding to whatever he has to say with anything because I don't have a reference point. Yeah. Dominic made Killing Them Softly and The Assassination of Jesse James, which to me are both outstanding films. Yes. Uh, I have not seen Blonde. So, whatever you're going to say, whatever bones you have to pick, whatever this is, I just want to, I'm making sure. If you want to talk to Otis about his opinions, talk to him yeah. about it because I ain't seen the movie. And I know that yeah. there's a lot of discourse going on and a lot of argument going on, and I haven't seen it. This isn't my opinion. Right. <laughs> just, just letting right. everyone know so I don't get yelled at. All right, okay. go ahead. Tell, me that's, tell fair. me.
1: that's fair. There there are some things that I think we can talk about, though, because there are some things that you're going to be like, yeah, that's stupid as well. Um, and I, I know this for a fact. So... As I said, direct, written, directed by Andrew Dominic, amazing filmmaker, has made probably, you know, Killing Them Softly, I just watched recently, is probably one of the biggest, like, sleeper hits I've ever Like, the fact that I haven't seen this movie was fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was, I
0: was surprised when you told me that. I was like, um, what?
1: Yeah, that movie's sick. I'll probably watch it again very soon because it was so sick. Um, And then, yeah, The Assassination of Jesse James is probably just one of the most amazing movies has one of the greatest scenes of all time. Like Andrew Dominic makes beautiful movies. Okay. The guy has an eye for shots. So, you know, it's fitting that we're doing this in an Edgar Wright episode, both very visual storytellers. Okay. And that's the thing about blonde that people aren't getting is well, Firstly, the, Film Blonde is based on a book called Blonde, which is written by an author that I guess people don't like or whatever, but it's a fictional account of Marilyn Monroe's life. And The way Andrew Dominic has directed this film and presented this film, it's very surreal. It's very dreamlike. It's very visual. It shifts between black and white and color all the time, okay? And people are up in arms about this movie because they're like, this is fucking spitting on the grave of Marilyn Monroe. This is misrepresenting her, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, what they're not getting... There's so many things that they're not getting, is that one, this movie isn't a biopic. It is presented as a nightmare. It is like a surreal nightmare of the 1950s Hollywood. Cause like in it, she gets raped. There's like horrible things that happen to her. Yes, and I, she I like heard made, there's
0: also like a surrealist talking fetus at one point.
1: Yeah. And like, it's all the whole thing is dreamlike, which there's multiple cues to to this. Number one, as a beautiful score by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, but it's a synth score. And this thing, a synth score in a movie set in the 1950s doesn't really make sense. Okay, especially if it's like a drama film. However, if you are like, oh, this is very surreal, dream-like, it makes sense. Like this movie has more in common with something like David Lynch's like Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, than it does with like a Marilyn Monroe biopic. Okay, so I don't know. I won't get into many of the details of it, but I personally loved it. I understood what Andrew Dominic was going for. I thought it was great i thought it also as a person that thinks marilyn monroe is a dumb useless idiot i don't care for her work she's not a dumb useless idiot okay i'm just i'm just using hyperbole to express that i do not care for her you know place in culture and whatever okay that's the pr- and that's that was also respect- I'll
0: leading- that just I, to, I want to give you your flowers for for uh stopping yourself and saying no no that's hyperbole uh, yeah. because Otis has a tendency to use hyperbole and then not do that and so sometimes yeah. I think he like genuinely hates stuff but then really yeah. he's just saying in his own way I don't particularly care for this or I have no opinion mm-hmm. but he's he's heated up sometimes we get heated up okay. we say things
1: so, yeah so- but I, I I felt particularly to correct myself on this one because specifically is that a lot of I think the criticism of this film is from people that one aren't necessarily film fans but two are Marilyn Monroe fans that are like that aren't understanding the artistic thing and for some reason she is as a cultural icon is so put so high on this pedestal where people are like yeah this is so this is disingenuous to what her real life is it's like how would you possibly know what her real life is she's been dead for 60 years dude like what she's been dead longer than your fucking family has been alive like comprehend that like take a st- you don't know this lady and people comprehend are so that holy shit like people are so like deeply <laughs> attached to this thing and like you see it in culture now too like it's and the same thing people are like because it's ironic Because people are like this is exploitive of marilyn monroe it's like Really? Because didn't you just spend the last week watching 10 hours of Jeffrey Dahmer murder gay men? Don't you think that's fucking exploitive? Like, get it together. You can't fucking be cool about one and then think the other one's not cool just because it's about some fucking starlet that you, for some reason, have the biggest boner over. Like, I don't get it. Like, one thing can't be exploitive and the others just, oh, it's entertainment. No, they're both entertainment, really. But they're both about exploitive things.
0: From what so, I gather uh from what I've heard from multiple people i other podcasts that I listen to and and just general chatter uh it's a very divisive film. a yes. lot of people say that it's it's very like stylistically beautiful mm-hmm. um and uh and I think that some people find that that it's Uh, it's interesting that you brought up the night that you said it was a nightmare. I'm pretty sure I was listening to another podcast where they were discussing it and discussing how, how they said the same thing that it was a nightmare, Mm -hmm. but they took umbrage at kind of like the way that they treated um, Marilyn as a character and the way that, that that they said that Anna Darmis does an amazing job, but Mm -hmm. the character in the writing kind of seems hollow and shallow and surreal and it kind of is at a point kind of anti-feminist yeah um which
1: yeah there are things but here's like another thing that i picked up on is i'm pretty sure it's like written from like a childlike perspective because it opens up as her as a child like longing to meet her father and she has that same longing for her father throughout the entire movie so it's like she's almost childlike just like floating through. Yeah. And I mean, I, I so. also
0: know that, that it's based on kind of like I a, 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 I don't know what you would call it. Like an alternative history, like fictionalized yeah. history uh, book. That's about, maryland but it doesn't like Uh it makes stuff up and some of the other people pointed out like some of it is painstaking yeah no it takes
1: liberties yeah it takes some people
0: and some people pointed out that they take that there's parts of it that are kind of painstaking recreations of of real events and then others parts it's like things that don't exist like how she's in this i guess three-way relationship with the son of Charlie Chaplin and that that never happened or they might've been friends, but that, that wasn't a real mm-hmm. thing. And, and there's a lot of people who take, as you said, who are kind of purists for the histories who I guess view it as a biopic and not like a, cause if you look at, if you look at kill, killing them softly, you look at um the assassination of Jesse James, like those are very kind of like almost like uh surreal like dreamlike yeah. films where it's like you know pa it's very very visually beautiful the pacing and the way that it's the story is told is very kind of like his narratives are formed in a very unique way that feel almost dreamlike or feel uh you know there's a layer of kind of a uh, not of of magic reality over it that mm-hmm. and and so like I can understand where you're coming from. I haven't seen the film. I feel like I should yeah. probably watch it so we could have like a real conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from all the dialogue that's been going on, I feel very much like it's uh, it's kind of people who are taking your stance versus these people who are viewing it as kind yeah. of like a desecration. And, and some people just are viewing it as a bad film. They just are like, this yeah. is too well, long. Well, that's another too-
1: thing is some people, that's another criticism I have of, people's criticism in general. It's like, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's bad. Like, there are lots of what I've been trying movies to say for movies that I don't like. I don't yeah. care for Lord of the Rings. I understand they are like cultural phenomenons, but it's like, I don't like it. I'm not going to then go leave a two-star review on IMDb and be like, fuck this movie. I don't know. Orcs are fucking dumb. Like, what? Okay, then it's not for you. Like
0: Yeah, like, why take the time to leave a review and, like, attack something that just because you, like, subjectively don't like
1: it? Yeah. Um, it's weird. Like, uh, like that's the whole thing is I've seen, like, on Instagram, they were promoting the movie, like, Netflix was promoting the movie, and they were promoting the actress, because she does a fantastic job in, in the movie, I think, and people are like, just absolutely bashing this movie. And it's like, did you actually watch this movie? Because it's like a three hour movie. Like, I feel like a lot of people didn't really ba- watch it. They just don't like the fact that somebody did, you know, a movie about Marilyn Monroe that just so happens to be, you know, have some themes and ideas and visuals in it that, you know, aren't, you know, the most pleasing ones. But, you, you know, 1950s hollywood wasn't exactly a fucking hunky dory time to be a woman you know and there's lots of cases for that people don't like how she's presented as a victim but hey she was a victim unfortunately as were most women of the time you know Yeah, i think
0: i think there was there has been a lot of dialogue and people have pointed out like she carved out a very like um uh, a space for herself to succeed and i feel like mm-hmm. people feel like this movie may be like kind of shitting on that and i don't know i, I haven't know. seen the movie and i also like i don't i don't know so like i should watch it and figure it yeah. out i understand uh i i am a very strong advocate of what for what you said that like well my point of view is different strokes for different folks like you hmm. shouldn't just because you didn't enjoy something doesn't mean that other people won't find enjoyment in it. And Mm -hmm. the whole kind of going on a holy crusade against something because you don't like it uh, or you didn't find enjoyment out of it is like kind of the antithesis of art. Like you shouldn't go, go out and like crusade against something that you just didn't enjoy. Like we as a society need to kind of step away from the entitlement of Oh this art is being created for me and if I don't like it then I have I should scream about it from all the rooftops mm-hmm. now. With that being said, I don't I haven't seen this movie so I don't really know yeah. and I can't really speak on the kind of feminist or um uh, you know kind of the dialogue that's being presented in the film. I can't really speak on her being a victim or anything or the, mm-hmm. and, cause I haven't seen it. So like, yeah, maybe and I that's should the thing watch is this. a lot
1: of the people that are like complaining, just saying it's bad. Don't want to have a dialogue about it and be like, well, do you know why they did that in that film? Do you want to, you know, maybe explore why they made that choice thematically to explore why you know, they use different, you know, frames, why they use different color, like why it's in color, why it's in black and white. These are different things. And like the thing that pisses me off is people shitting on it. It's like, you know, people that like art film, you know, are going to continue to like art film. But then, you know, people that are like, I don't get it. This is stupid. It's like, hey, you don't like art film. That's fine. You can say that. Like, that's cool like you're able to like if you don't like if you don't like shit that's you know is open to interpretation and you know maybe isn't always like you know telling it exactly how it is and you know stuff that takes artistic liberties and go stick to the fucking cookie cutter shit but like don't then go leave like one star two star reviews of a fucking movie that you just didn't like and then you know complain oh why are all movies the same I don't know because you just shit all over a movie that tried to do something different for once. So now, guess what? Netflix isn't going to fish out another $25 million to make a fucking surrealist fucking art film. Yeah. So I, I don't know. know.
0: It's it's like, it's, it's, I'll definitely have to check it out and then, and then we'll have a, a frank conversation about it afterwards yeah. once I can like have a point of reference here. For um, sure. But I, this is, it's interesting to me because like I saw your post on Instagram about it and I, have listened to other podcasts talking about it, and I still don't really know what the film's about or and like i've there have been discussions of specific sequences and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think the other thing too is that I feel like people who i want to choose my words really wisely here. I feel like people who kind of podcast about popular culture um aren't uh when they reach a certain point, they have to kind of like word things properly or they have to kind of take stances uh or feel like they have to take stances that are going to be the most like widely accepted and i think that that kind of is detrimental to to kind of art and having dialogue about art and and having discourse about the themes presented in art um it's just like how kind of people will watch the first season of mad men and be like, I can't watch it anymore because of how sexist it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you kind of need to watch it all the way to the end to see how everything flips and see how kind of people get punished for the way that they acted. Mm -hmm. And since it spans many years, you see the kind of like rise of feminism and, and, and uh, the changing place of women in the workplace and um the you know the the fall of certain uh kind of ways of life and the changes that these people have to go through and and people get their comeuppance for their the way that they've acted and um and it's kind of like that thing where people watch one episode of a tv show and then they have a decision about the whole series like they'll watch the first episode of like house of the dragon or the Amazon Lord of the Rings show or she Hulk or any of these franchise films or franchise TV shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. If it's not like after one or two episodes, they're like, I hate this character. I can't stand this character. This show is going to be awful. Everything's going to be awful. Like it's all like immediate reactions. Like people don't take the time to kind of like take everything in and have discourse about it. And like, look at it especially a film like this which is like obviously an art film um, yeah now does it probably have parts in it that are kind of hard to watch and does oh it yeah face like adult themes and all that stuff yes I'm sure it does and I'm sure for some people that that's not going to be what you want to see and and I understand that to a degree but I also think that like we need to carve out space to have uh real conversations about the things that art is trying to say to us uh and mm-hmm. even if those conversations or this or the opinion that you want to take on them might be somewhat controversial i feel like the kind of uh visceral emotion emotional reactive nature of the internet now has made it mm-hmm. so that like you can't really have frank and honest conversations about about kind of hard topics uh, and this is something that's been happening in like everywhere in like schools too, uh, and mm-hmm. that's not to say like most of the kind of like some will say, "Whoa, well, palm reader, do you think that people, that right wing idiots should be allowed to to come in and spew hate at the schools?" No, but I mean, I think people need to have be able to understand yeah. what those people are saying. You also
1: can't just exactly. You also can't just barricade yourself off from that point of view and just be naive to the world. Yes, exactly. Like you can't be you like those be people able- unfortunately exist. And guess what? You need to hear their opinions out sometimes because you need to accurately be able to fight back against their opinions with your own knowledge. And how yeah. are you going to educate yourself against somebody if you don't hear them out? Firstly, like, like
0: literally what court is. Yes. <laughs> literally. Literally. Like we need to be able to have discourse about some kind of the harder themes and ideas that are presented in film. And I also feel like the fear of filmmakers to make films that kind of deal with harder ideas. uh, And like, uh, that's a thing. That's another thing. And new ideas too. Like, like you said, people, there's a lot less people putting money behind and willing to try to uh, create new things because it's easier to kind of make a cookie cutter IP. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm not saying that. Like again, I'm not saying that there that these the people who have take umbrage against it or have issues with the way that you know uh, feminism and victimhood and all that stuff that's de- that's mm-hmm. depicted in the film. They might be right. To me, yeah. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But I think that there yeah. is a real thing that's happening right now um and has been happening for years and i think that people who go on and have podcasts or have platforms and talk about stuff um being afraid to kind of confront hard topics and have a a meaningful and an open discussion about them it it kind of adds to the problem um, with that being said, I, I don't, that's not me saying we should let racists say whatever they want. That's not what I'm saying. That's, I'm no, no, far no, from no,
1: no, that's, that's, yeah, that's very far from the point. I'm just saying, I've just noticed specifically with this movie that the people speaking out loudest against it are the least willing to, you know, want to have a conversation about it. Cause I love talking about movies, whether I liked them or not. I just like it. I particularly, like this movie, I like Andrew Dominic's films. I've understood what he was trying to do with this. So I just kind of want to, you know, help other people understand too. Cause I think, you know, because I want to see more movies like this, you know, being made on a bigger scale. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I just I, I like seeing weird <clears throat> shit that kind of disturbs people. Sorry. Well, and no, I like,
0: I the other thing I hate is that we have to kind of preface this kind of conversation that we're having yeah. by saying, like, we're not saying we want like random idiots right-wing sexist dudes to like to have a better platform or we want more films that brutalize people or we want you know like that's not what we're saying it's more of a conversation about the willingness to have a conversation about art that isn't kind of Mm -hmm. informed by this kind of fear that everyone Mm -hmm. has about talking about harder topics
1: yeah i mean we're and it's also
0: oh like it's go ahead go ahead
1: and and another like gripe I have like about this is like people for some reason rather than have a conversation about something have an open dialogue they're more worried about like assigning a score to something which is so just weird like some like so many people in reviews are just like yeah this was bad don't know why they would do it this way two two out of ten and it's like what the like no that's not like if you don't like it you don't get things talk to somebody i guess but i don't know if you're watching movies you watch them by yourself but like imagine going to like a museum looking at like an art piece and just being like yeah don't get it two out of ten moving on and everyone around <laughs> you she's like what the fuck what like- well and i mean that's also <laughs> this
0: is also happening like within kind of like people are are fighting back about like There are large swaths of people who are like, we don't want to talk about um, kind of like real historic events because it's traumatizing. And I feel like the fact that people aren't willing to talk about those things is what's allowing kind of those things to happen again.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that was the initial thing with like Jordan Peterson where when he was actually doing, you know, uh, what was it, the actual philosophy stuff of like, if you were in, you know, not Nazi Germany, odds are given the circumstances, it would be easier to survive by becoming a Nazi. And for some reason, the students at the time couldn't wrap their heads around it. Now, to be fair, Jordan Peterson has since gone to go and do bonkers bullshit that did not help his case at all.
0: Oh, the, but, whatever he had, was it the benzos that he had? Whatever yeah, drug I mean, he had just had him in a chokehold, and now has just yeah. destroyed any like any semblance yeah, of rational thing. He got lost, in the, he sauce, got lost in the sauce. And he was, I mean, it was like to be fair, but, like he his was old,
1: ed- his old, old like lectures from like, but he know, was he, but he six was an plus ed- years ago are interesting. They present interesting yes. theories.
0: And he was, and he was, in an, he, and he, he was purposely kind of an edge lord.
1: Um yeah. but that worked I mean, yeah, he eventually dipped his, his toes in that, got like realized oh no, but that's he, where the he, money's at and went he, full into yeah. it. Yeah. He, but
0: even back then he was he was kind of an edgelord too, purposely. Yeah. Like it was like he was trying to create be abrasive to create these conversations. But in the in the 2010s, as time moved on f- through the 2010s, they it became more about um uh safeguarding because a lot of people didn't want to have i mean we're getting into this this whole philosophy of 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 kind of intellect and uh, i don't know i feel like
1: thinking like talking out loud like in a classroom is that like people are like i don't know they shouldn't like i don't know i feel like that is the safest space to talk about these ideas like out loud in front of people with multiple witnesses like there's there's going to be very few times where you know entire class will turn on you unless you are like vehemently wrong about something yeah, unless you're
0: a piece like, of shit like yeah. <laughs> you know but I, I don't know this is this is it's it's going to be interesting to see as time goes on the way that this the way that kind of like creativity and art it changes i like how somehow we went through this gambit of all these different things when we're just discussing the kind of Uh, reaction to blonde which again I haven't seen uh, so I can't really stamp anything on but it's true though that like now people instead of wanting to have a dialogue about something or just agreeing to disagree which is something that I feel like people have lost the ability to do which Mm -hmm. needs to be like bring bring that back like you don't have to agree with your friends and family on everything you can agree Mm -hmm. to disagree like you don't have to take every single thing that everybody else believes personally like that's not to say that, like, say you have, like, it's not to say you shouldn't speak out against people who are obviously wrong. But, like, mm-hmm. if you disagree on a movie, you don't need to go on a, like, you don't need to, that doesn't need to cause you to hate each other. But it seems right. like that's what happens online. It's like people disagree on politics or people disagree on film or someone has an issue with a Uh, Like, it's like looking at any of the kind of fandom Reddit pages where it's like Mm -hmm. some TV show comes out and they're like, Daredevil made a joke and She-Hulk is ugly and I want to die, but I want to kill the people who made it and I hate all of you. And it's like, how is this taking up so much of your life? Like
1: yeah, Well, this is the same thing, but instead of like nerds in their 20s and 30s and teens that like don't get off Reddit, it's white ladies in their 40s and 50s that are obsessed with gentlemen prefer blonde for some reason it's the same (laughs) thing it's the exact same thing
0: yeah but my point is that that response is not normal like it never should have been normalized like you if you don't like something you can be like yeah it really wasn't for me um cool on with life you know exactly yeah yeah It, it wasn't with wasn't really for me oh you like it cool. I didn't really get it. It's not really for me. We can have a conversation about it if you want or not. I, You know, yeah. you don't need to go online and like crusade and like attack people and review bomb and do all that stuff. And, and it's, I, I mean, I understand that the kind of, again, the topics that are being discussed in this film are very yeah. heavy. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. know that there's a lot of like, kind of like brutal and upsetting stuff in the film. I haven't seen it yes. again, but it's, yes. it's, it's the, just the general way that things are now where people just pile on online and there's no real discourse. There's just yeah. finger pointing and mudslinging mm-hmm. and screaming and throwing tantrums about like art. And it's like, yeah. why are you letting like, I mean, I understand a bit more in this case because it is kind of like dealing with kind of feminism and and womanhood mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And, and, and that's very important. But um. Like why are you screaming about fucking She-Hulk, dog? Just don't watch it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Like I I, it, I don't, I, I, I don't yeah. get it.
0: I don't get it, man. Anyway, speaking of um of mindless drivel that's uh, nothing that's, you know, repetitive and nothing new. Um Werewolf by Night dropped, uh and uh I want to watch that because same. it's kind of different uh within the same formulaic system of, of the MCU, but I'm really interested to watch it because uh what's his name, Michael uh uh, uh the, the 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 I can never say his right. Uh, Ganaccio, uh the 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 um composer. Uh, he did uh yeah. the he's Old he's like no 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 he um um Michael Giacchino. Uh, he is um a composer for films. He did uh, uh, tons and tons of movies recently. He did um, uh, uh, the, um, like his discography is huge. He did The Incredibles, uh, Muppets, Wizard of Oz, Mission Impossible 3, Cloverfield, Star Trek, uh, Up, Land of the Lost, um, Super Eight, Ghost Protocol. Star Trek Into Darkness, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Jurassic World. Like he was the composer for like Doctor Strange, yeah, Rogue One, Spider Man: Homecoming, yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes, yada yada yada, it's Fallen Kingdom, Jojo Rabbit, Far From Home. Okay, um, he's he's like known as a composer, but he directed this. Um, wow. yeah, and they and he did the composition for it, but he also directed it, and he like is kind of spearheading the uh, Marvel monsters. Um, mm. And so, and it's apparently almost all of it is in black and white. Uh, mm. And it's, uh, it's a, it, it, it encompass like it's just a special, uh, it's like 52 minutes or 50, 53 minutes. Um, and, and yeah. And it's like something different. And, uh, yeah. and I hope that it, if it is as good as people seem to be reacting to it, that we get more of the Marvel monsters. I would love to see if it, and if it looks as good as it seems to look, they're looking for a new director for, for Blade. uh, And, uh, and, you know, I don't know. I just think that, that it's kind of cool that they're doing something different. They're doing a very kind of side Marvel comics character and they're playing up the kind of like classic horror vibes. It's black and white. And to see a, a generally of a a kind of well-known, very lauded film composer uh take the reins as director and then do so well like i think it's just really cool i mean it seems like he's doing well all the responses seem positive so i definitely want to watch it i definitely want to talk about it next week uh and if you're into the marvel stuff and you want something a little bit different that might be a of a a different flavor uh or or something that you may not have seen before because i don't know if a lot of people know about werewolf by night or man thing or you know that side of the Marvel world, the Marvel monsters, uh, you should definitely check it out.
1: Nice, yeah. Um, so that? I think that's probably it for today. I feel like we've gone a little long now. Well, I don't know. We had a little. No, nah,
0: but I mean, it was good. That was good to have that kind of conversation about about uh, about kind of the culture, the criticism culture. Right. The I don't want to call it a cancel culture because it's not like really a cancel culture. It's it's this kind no. of like. En- reactive entitlement that that people yes, have as that, like
1: that's, yeah.
0: as like viewers now like as consumers of art people feel like entitled and react overreact well, that's, that's emotionally
1: is that i'm just trying to say people if something happens that you don't like it's not necessarily bad like you know there's it's lots not, of it's not necessarily that i don't like that i'm not like yes i don't like taylor swift's album Ow. but that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad you know, I don't like that Joe just like smashed his knee off of something. But, you know, Ow. it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, it is bad, but you know, maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe he just like unlocked a part of his leg. You didn't know he had or something. I you didn't, know.
0: Un- I didn't unlock
1: anything. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely something that needs to be discussed, especially as, as society progresses, there needs to be kind of a, uh, a willingness to have a conversation and agree to disagree and also to realize that like most art isn't person isn't like trying to person it's trying to affect you but it, i don't think i think people take a lot of stuff way too personally um and and they don't step back and look at the bigger picture or don't step back and look at context and i think mm-hmm. that there's kind of like a there needs to be a reinvigoration of the idea of discourse and also politeness and manners and willing to agree to disagree and uh, and willing to be kind of to move on if something's not for you. You know, if you watch something and it doesn't live up to your expectations, sure, you mm-hmm. can be disappointed or disappointed. I don't want to say depressed, but you can be disappointed. But, mm-hmm. you know, there comes a point where it's like if she Hulk's not for you, don't watch it. You know, yeah. stop hate watching it. Just, yeah, just let go live your life in a little bit of bliss, you know, and, and stop arguing with people online about it because it's, it's not doing you any good mental mentally. Like (laughs) it's not helping you anyway. um, Yeah. That's it for this week. That was a long conversation about uh, various things. My knee is bleeding profusely. Uh, So we'll call it a, call it a spade, a spade. Um, Next week we are coming back to talk about Probably one of the uh, biggest uh, uh, horror films.
1: Cultural in the... Pardon? Cultural Phenomenons. I yeah, guess.
0: Cultural Phenomenons, one of the biggest horror films of the, it was 99 that it came out, yeah. right? Of the yeah, late 90s, so. early 2010s. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but uh, but it changed the course of cinema forever, and it's pretty dang scary, and it still holds up. Uh, and also, it kind of brought found footage films to the forefront. And, uh, and and um, you know, uh, it also... It, for better it, or for worse. For, yeah, for, for better or for than worse. Than but, genre. but you know what? It's It still kind of slaps. If you haven't figured it out yet, uh, we are talking about the Blair Witch Project. Uh, so we'll be back with that next week. We'll talk about handheld films. We'll talk some more about stuff. And maybe by then, I will have seen Blonde and we can have a discussion about it. Uh um, but if you haven't seen uh Killing Softly and oh, okay. uh and and The Assassination of Jesse James, and you are a Cinephile or consider yourself one, you should definitely check those films out because they are excellent. Yes. And I have I have seen those, so I can say that. All right. Well, nice. thanks for listening. Always uh remember to initiate the protocol. Find me on Instagram at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R and uh on twitter though not very much at plm uh what where can they find you
1: uh just find me on instagram otis morris dude all the uh unraveling unveiling some things on there soon so keep your eyes and ears posted yes
0: yeah all right well uh i gotta go figure out what the hell to do with my knee that's bleeding on my leg
1: oh, God damn. Uh,
0: everybody have a fantastic weekend and uh, we'll be back next week Peace. Bye.